<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. I'm your host, Jason Greenblatt. With tensions rising across the world, diplomacy is needed perhaps now more than ever. During my time as former White House Middle East envoy and as one of the chief architects of peace between Israel and its Arab neighbors, I've had the chance to witness the power of diplomacy firsthand, and today I would like to share that perspective with you. Shalom, salam, and welcome to The Diplomat. On May 26, the Washington Post published an opinion by Khalid al-Jabri with the title, I Know Saudi Repression. Biden should save ties with the kingdom with conditions. First, some context. Khalid al-Jabri is simply identified as a health tech entrepreneur and a cardiologist. In the opening sentence of the opinion, Khalid describes himself as a victim of Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman's ruthless regime. I think it was misleading for the Washington Post to publish this opinion without the proper context explaining exactly who Khalid is. The author, Khalid al-Jabri, is the son of Saad bin Khalid al-Jabri, a former major general, minister of state, and longtime advisor to the deposed Crown Prince Mohammed bin Nayef of Saudi Arabia, also known as MBN. Saad, Khalid's father, meaning the father of the author of this piece, has been living in Canada since May 2017, and the Saudi government has long sought to have Saad extradited to Saudi Arabia on charges of corruption. When reading this opinion, it's important for the reader to understand that the author of the opinion is very interested in this matter in a way that might significantly affect his judgment. I'm not saying what Khalid wrote is false. I have no way to evaluate the truthfulness of what he wrote. But I do think it was incumbent on the Washington Post to have alerted its readers to the significant interest that Khalid has in connection with this opinion. In the opinion, Khalid accuses the Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, also known as MBS, of being ruthless, and he says that his family is being tormented by a brutal intimidation campaign without explaining who he is and who his father is and the circumstances of the accusations against his father. Again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying his claims are untrue. I can't verify them one way or the other. But the fact that Khalid intentionally omitted this crucial fact, that his father is subject to an extradition claim on charges of corruption, is certainly something important to consider when reading this opinion. In the opinion, Khalid says that he is a proponent of a healthy U.S.-Saudi partnership, and he argues that President Biden could and should salvage the partnership, but not at all costs, he says. 
I agree with Khalid that the United States and Saudi Arabia should have a healthy partnership. And I certainly agree that President Biden could and should repair the relationship. But here's where Khalid and I have very different thoughts on this. Khalid writes that President Biden came into office planning to recalibrate U.S. relations with Saudi Arabia. Well, folks, that's a real understatement. Here is what then-candidate Biden actually said when he ran for president. And I would make it very clear, we were not going to, in fact, sell more weapons to them. We were going to, in fact, make them pay the price and make them, in fact, the pariah that they are. There's very little social redeeming value of the, in the present uh, government in Saudi Arabia. And I would also, as pointed out, I would end, end the subsidies that we have, end the sale of material to the Saudis who they're going in and murdering children and they're murdering innocent people. And so they have to be held accountable. That is far more than a so-called recalibration. Let's call it what it is. Then-candidate Biden said he would not sell more weapons to Saudi Arabia, despite the constant attacks on the kingdom from the Houthi terrorist puppets of Iran. Biden called Saudi Arabia a pariah, and he said there's very little socially redeeming value in the present government of the kingdom. Yet here we are now in 2022. President Biden is in office. He still does not take the threats against the kingdom seriously. All he does is pay some lip service from time to time when Saudi Arabia is attacked. He's still looking for a way to sign a, very, a new, very, very weak and incredibly dangerous deal with Iran. And he's practically begging Saudi Arabia to pump more oil and sell it at cheap prices to the United States. And by the way, somehow he's forgotten about his climate change agenda in the process. The ideas suggested by Colin in terms of how President Biden should approach the kingdom are, in my opinion, unrealistic, unworkable, and unfair. Khalid says that a Biden-MBS reconciliation and renewed security guarantees must be conditioned on Saudi compliance with American interests and values. Does he think the kingdom is a vassal state of the United States? Are we so arrogant that we can demand the kingdom behave a certain way just to have a reconciliation with the Biden administration or perhaps a visit from President Biden? The reality is that even though the kingdom is an important ally and friend of the U.S., and even though we each need things from one another— We're not the same country, and we have no right to demand that they adhere to our so-called interests and values. And what interests are those, by the way? To accept our entering into a new dangerous Iran deal? Well, that's certainly not in the interest of the Saudis or most of the other countries in the region. Even our country is heavily divided on that issue. Or the fact that President Biden and others blame the Saudis for the suffering in Yemen instead of placing the blame squarely where it belongs— on the Houthi terrorists who actually caused the suffering? Or the fact that President Biden can't fully acknowledge that it is the Saudi government's obligation to protect the kingdom from these Houthi attacks? And values? What values? Are we going to tell them what we think their values should be? Is our country so perfect on values? Even our country is bitterly divided on many issues that some would say relate to values, such as late-stage abortion, gun control, and so many other issues today. What values is Khalid speaking about it, and who gets to determine those values? And why do we think we get to tell other countries what their values should be? Why do you think we have a right to have an opinion on some of these issues? What if an Islamic country started to tell us what they think about some of our values? Would we accept their opinion, or would we tell them to take a hike? And why does Khalid think that we could demand that the kingdom raise oil production just because we want it, as opposed to acknowledging that asking for them to do this is actually asking a huge favor. 
At the very least, we should approach them with something that's a win-win for both sides. Khaled speaks about a so-called tacit, decades-long security for oil arrangement that obligates, he says, the Saudis to protect us with increased oil at lower prices. I was in the government service long enough to know that some of these so-called understandings are nothing more than fleeting handshakes that make sense under one or more administrations, perhaps multiple administrations, but they're not actual commitments. The Saudis, for example, have not been able to rely on Biden to stand by them for the Houthi attacks. And this was true even before the oil price spike. So why does Khalid think we could ignore the kingdom and chastise them for defending themselves against Houthi-Iranian aggression and threaten to cut off weapon sales to them and make them a pariah, but when we need them, all of a sudden, we get to rely on some vague, tacit agreement that he doesn't even provide the details of. There's not even a hyperlink to any source material when he uses the words tacit decades-long security for oil arrangements. Truthfully, I'm surprised the Washington Post didn't insist that Khaled back that one up, since that part is so fundamental to Khaled's piece. There's also a demand by Khaled that the kingdom sell oil to the Europeans at discounted prices. What right do we have to demand that? Can I go to my local gas station and tell them that the price is too high and demand they sell it to me for less money? Can I go to my supermarket and tell them the milk is too expensive, sell it for less? Can I ask my insurance company to lower my insurance premiums to help me out because of this crazy inflation environment we have to live with now? Aside from the fact that we don't have the right to make that demand, what is the kingdom supposed to do? They have their own country to run, their own budgets to meet. Can we demand that the kingdom tighten its belt because the Europeans deserve cheaper oil? Should the kingdom pay the price for the consequences of what was a very bad call of the Europeans to rely on Russia oil all these years? Why is that the Saudis' problem? If the Saudis want to help, well, that's great. Even charitable. Well, let's call it that. It would be charitable. I would jump up and applaud them tremendously. Or if the Saudis and the Europeans come up with a deal that makes sense for both of them, well, that's great too. But let's not pretend that it's the Saudis' responsibility here to bail the Europeans out, or us for that matter, and then cause trouble for their own country. It's odd that there's not a word about looking at the Saudi side of the equation in this opinion piece when it comes to these demands of Saudi Arabia or the effects on Saudi Arabia, its economy, its people, the agreements that Saudi Arabia is a party to. Most of what Khalid writes in this opinion is unrealistic, unfair, and perhaps even naive. I say this as someone who spent nearly three years in the White House working deeply in this region, including with Saudi Arabia and including with the Crown Prince MBS. Perhaps Khaled is well-meaning. I don't know, because I don't know him personally. This podcast is not intended to be an attack on Khaled. What I want to do is show my listeners and readers of Khaled's opinion, and indeed many other opinion pieces, that they need to understand not only the significant limitations of opinions like this, but also that complex subjects like this can't possibly be summarized or discussed properly in a 750 or so word opinion piece, especially in this case from someone who might have a significant bias on the subject. I'm going to leave you with one more thought suggested by Khalid. He suggests that President Biden reset the relationship by hosting the Saudi monarch, King Salman, and other Gulf leaders at a U.S. Gulf Cooperation Council summit at Camp David. Folks, that's nothing more than window dressing. It would just be a photo op. Even in normal times, window dressing meetings are a total waste of everybody's time, and a total waste of U.S. taxpayer money as well as the money of the other countries. But at times like this, when we have so many fires burning around the world, 
Russia's invasion of Ukraine, the Iranian threat, the uncertainty surrounding the Iran deal. The last thing we need is a photo op meeting where there is no real solution and no real meaningful repair of the relationship between the U.S. and the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. So Khalid, I do hope things work out with your family. And I'm always in favor of ideas to try to solve problems or at least work towards solving problems. But I think few, if any, of the ideas put forth in your opinion are realistic or likely to yield any real or meaningful results. More importantly, if the U.S. continues to approach the kingdom from a place of arrogance and making demands, which is essentially the advice you're generally giving President Biden, instead of President Biden apologizing for how he has spoken of and treated the kingdom of an MBS, and rather than trying to come up with a win-win for the U.S. and the kingdom, and rather than making clear that we do stand by Saudi Arabia in terms of its right to defend itself from attacks, and rather than clearly listening to the kingdom and our other allies in the region, including the United Arab Emirates and Israel, the ideas in this opinion piece will not only lead to little or perhaps nothing, but if any of the advice is followed by President Biden, we're much more likely to go backwards with the kingdom. That would be very bad for the United States and our friends and allies in the Middle East. It would cause even more instability in our already unstable and very messy world. I hope the Washington Post thinks twice next time before they publish an opinion like this. Thanks for listening. By the way, if you want to learn more about the Middle East, about Saudi Arabia, about Israel, about the Emirates, about the Abraham Accords, my book In the Path of Abraham is coming out in July. Please do go to Amazon and pre-order it. There's so much to learn about the region. There's so much amazing stuff going on in the region. There's so much complexity in the region. Go to Amazon, search In the Path of Abraham or Jason Greenblatt. Also follow me on Twitter at GreenblattJD. Do go back and scroll. If you missed any of the podcasts, you'll find some of them are still very, very relevant. Do share them with your friends, family, and colleagues. Again, thanks for listening. I'm Jason Greenblatt. This is The Diplomat, brought to you by Newsweek. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.